Good evening, it's time once again to veer down the rabbit hole as we view inside the looking glass of logical madness. This is Cheshire's Place, and as always, I am your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. You can always find me in my small little corner of internet wonderland by going on Facebook and giving a like to my group page, Cheshire's Place, a looking glass in a logical madness. You can always listen to this episode and all other episodes for this podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, um, sorry, <laughs> iTunes, and other media outlets that you can actually find the links to on my Anchor.fm homepage. <clears throat> and if you have any questions or suggestions for uh, next episodes, or if you just want to say a simple hi feel free to email me at cheshirelookingglass at gmail.com. So, before we get into tonight's episode, um, I just wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, First and foremost, for those who listened in to the small podcast I did earlier today, um, thank you, and I hope it wasn't too ranty or soapboxy or me being on a soapbox, so to speak, is just something that I had to discuss at that point in time because it was really weighing on me for a couple of days. So thank you for listening, and I apologize if it completely sounded like I was going on a major tangent. I probably was, but you know, I might as well apologize for it right now. All right, second thing. Uh, shout out to my friend Allie Walker, who has a f- Facebook page. Um, Grendel Works, art by Allie Walker. Um, she is actually doing a commission piece for me for the Facebook group, and I got to see the the beginning process of it, and I am in love with that picture. It really captures the the playfulness and the mischievousness of of what I would like to provide while going into logical madness with everyone it is absolutely breathtaking i cannot wait to see the final product so once more um if you're looking for some very unique eclectic art by a talented artist please go to facebook.com look up grendel works and it is spelled g-r-i-n-d-e-l-w-o-r-k-s by Allie Walker, and she spells her first name A-L-L-I. So, the next thing that we should discuss is daily affirmation time. Um, Even though it is almost a new day, it's two minutes until midnight here, today was Mother's Day, so let's take a personal affirmation to think about all the mothers that have impacted our lives throughout the years. And you know who I'm talking about. Our mothers, grandmothers, aunts, teachers that we have met throughout the years that are parents, um, individuals that have kids that have garnered very wonderful friendships with. Let's take a time and reflect on those people because they are truly strong to take care of business as a mother. And it doesn't matter if the individual is married, divorced, completely single. This is the day, or the remaining one minute that's left, is dedicated to mothers. So, every mother out there, for the remaining minute that it is, 
Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day from Cheshire's place. So, <clears throat> oh, that's right, because clearing my throat, this actually reminds me of a small little story. A good friend of mine and listener of the show, we're going to call her Sammy Sunshine. Now, she's recently just started listening to my show, and she cleared out all the episodes with him one day. So, Sammy, thank you very much for that. Um, she noticed that I actually clear my throat quite a bit, and she made mention that it scared her. So, it got me to thinking, I wonder if it scares other people too. So, what I'm going to do is call the Sammy sunshine clause so what this is thanks to my dear friend sammy sunshine this is a simple clause for the show it is a fair warning that i will be clearing my throat quite a bit now granted i finally got the humidifier fixed and working now been having an issue with it as of late so it isn't as bad in here as it normally is so i won't be clearing my throat too much during the process but this is your sammy sunshine clause warning i will be clearing my throat quite a bit if you're scared i apologize in advance but aside from that here in cheshire's place we're going to keep it real so if i have to stop to clear my throat or get a drink of water it's going to happen it saves a lot of time on trying to edit bits and pieces out of the show and restarting and stopping so i hope y'all understand completely so last episode aside from the mini episode that we did we started a three-part series relating to urban legends and the first one was just a basic list of different urban legends from different areas around the world yes there was quite a few of them from the united states but I try to mix in as much as I can for other areas of the world and also historic value that does relate to modern terms due to the fact like the Pied Piper of Hamlin. That is a tale that we have heard throughout the years and actually going forward with some additional research there have been some similar Pied Piper cases that have happened and we can also consider this idea of a Pied Piper syndrome where people are led astray. This actually happens in the world of religious and sexual cults. And maybe that might be a topic that we'll hit on much later because once more, religion we're going to try to avoid. But in the topic of cults, this is something that we can easily get into. But I figured that tonight as promised yes it is a little bit late and i apologize we are going to cover the second installment of our urban legend series so tonight we're going to be talking about our good friend the cryptids now if you don't know what a cryptid is um take a look back at your favorite horror movie or tv show or even video games, even in history. Um, just as an idea, I'm going to read the definition of a cryptid, and then I'm going to give a couple of historical examples of cryptids through history and urban legend. So, cryptid is a noun. It is an animal that has been claimed to exist, but never proven to exist. 
This is presumed by followers of the cryptozoology's pseudoscientific subculture that they exist on the basis of anecdotal or other evidence considered insufficient by mainstream science. Cryptozoologists focus on entities mentioned in folklore rather than identifying new species as biologists do. So, key words here that they are going with. They focus on entities mentioned in folklore. So, if we go with folklore, if we go with... Um, pardon me for a moment, water break... If we go in terms of mythology, there's actually quite a few cryptids that we can look at. Um, the idea of Greek, Greek, Greek and Roman mythology, the Gorgon, Medusa, the snake-headed woman, she would be considered a cryptid. Uh, harpies, the half-human, half-bird species, would be considered a cryptid. Leprechauns are in fact, even though they are considered fae or fairy people, but there's differences in stories relating to them, they would be considered cryptids because there's no hard evidence proof that they do exist, but yet through different counts of stories that have been passed on, we know about them. So yes, your creatures from mythology would be considered cryptids. So let's take a look at some of the uses of cryptids in media. Uh, first and foremost, movies, because the two that really pop in my head happen to be Harry and the Hendersons, which is about Bigfoot or Sasquatch. We'll get to that a little bit more later. And also the Mothman prophecies, which is dealing with the myth of the Mothman. And if you've never seen that movie, it's actually a very good suspense thriller slash horror movie. But granted, uh, spo spoiler um, alert here, the Mothman really doesn't ex um, come out until the end of the movie. How are you going to have a movie called The Mothman Prophecies and the main focus just shows up at the end of the movie? Even though it's a good movie, it's very psychological it does feel like a cop-out to me. It really does, but give yourself a chance to watch the movie. You'll actually enjoy it. Um, other uses of cryptids in media is, of course, books. There's tons of books relating to horror for adults and also young teens and kids. Um, I'm sure you could probably think off the right off the top of the list Harry Potter, the creatures that deal with them because they had centaurs on there, they had giant spiders. Those would be considered in real life cryptids. Um, even dragons are a form of cryptid. Um, the Percy Jackson series is also a very good example. Um, the Robert Dresden Files, because it deals with more the mystical aspect, um, because also, if you think about it, quite a few of your favorite horror movie monsters, vampires, werewolves, the creature of the Black Lagoon, those would be considered cryptids, even though they're not really more animal-like, except for the werewolf and creature of Black Lagoon, but they are cryptids. They are urban legends. They are mythology. They are the figments of the imagination that get us excited for certain things.
Continuing on with the use of cryptids, video games. Come on, who hasn't played the vi like fighting video games like Darkstalkers or Bloody Roar, which is actually a good one because you have those who are changing into animals. They are called zoothropes. Uh, most notably, what we know of zoothropes would be lycanthropes, which is werewolves. Um, also, if you take a look, for those who like playing indie games, there was a video game out called Terradrome, which originally the first installment of Terradrome focused in on classic um, movie monsters. Mainly, okay, I shouldn't say classic. It was focused on movie monsters that are a little more modern. So, Freddy. Jason, uh, Pinhead from Hellraiser, Chucky from Child's Play, um, Ash Williams from Evil Dead series. Now, granted, this game wasn't licensed, but there are free copies of it outside on the internet. And I actually had a copy of it, and it was actually a pretty fun game to learn. Uh, the combo system was actually kind of slow on it, but once you got the hang of it and you actually put a controller to the laptop, it ran like a dream. Now, their newest installment of Terradrome is supposed to be coming out here within the year or so, and it actually has some more um, references to cryptids. Uh, Slenderman, they have a variation of Slenderman on there, and Slenderman is a cryptid. Um, has once, once more Bigfoot slash Sasquatch, which we're going to be getting into him a little bit more later. Uh, that's another example of a cryptid. They have tons of references to cryptids on there. So if you ever get a chance, go and look up Terradrome. It is an independent video game. They are trying to finish the product. So hopefully it'll be out online and also on Steam uh, here within down the year, if I remember correctly. But go ahead, take a look at their product. They have been putting in a lot of work on this. And the final piece of the cryptid puzzle is actually in the internet. There is a there is a collaborative internet project called the SCP Foundation, and I actually got to read some of their stories online and actually take a look at um, reviews of SCP cryptids and um, their fictional organization and the operations that they do, and it is actually a very good read. As I mentioned before, this is the SCP Foundation. It is a fictional organization documented on a web-based collaborative fiction project of the same name. SCP is responsible for locating and containing individual entities, locations, and objects that are too volatile for natural law. So, <clears throat> well, sorry, throat, yep. You know, claws. <clears throat> Once more. Um, if you want to take a look at some of the stuff relating to the writings for the SCP, um, you can always go on YouTube. Uh, top 5 Scary List. They actually do a lot of stuff relating to the SCP about which fictional cryptids cannot get out, what the teams are and their functions, and some of the stories. Also, if you go to www.scp slash week um wiki.net you'll actually be able to find the page for the scp and you'll be able to read up on some of the 
wonderful doings of this fictional organization. Or who knows, maybe it's a real life organization. One of those conspiracy theories that we can actually talk about sometime. So, it is time to discuss our dear friends, the cryptids. And there are so many of them. I already explained a few of them, as is within terms of historical reference and mythology, because those are the ones that really do influence what we do. Um, if you take a look within the line of dragons, I mean, who doesn't love dragons? They're amazing. You can take a look at the ones that are based on European design. Uh, drakes, wyverns. Um, you can take a look at the ones from Asian design. They influence certain aspects of art, music, games, literature. Those are things that really resonate with us. Especially those of y'all who watched the final season of Game of Thrones and loved when the dragon melted the Iron Throne good stuff but <clears throat> we're going to talk about some of these cryptids and we're going to go down some categories now the categories for the cryptids we're going to be talking about aquatic cryptids um most notably lake monsters a prime example would be the loch ness monster more on nessie hereafter a bit we will be talking about terrestrials so those who reside on land mainly we're going to be talking about hominids which hominids are those that walk on land. They are mobile. They can be bipedal just like humans. Um, good example would be Bigfoot on this one. But once more, more on that one later, you're going to hear me say that quite a bit. Then we're going to be talking about other types of cryptids just in a quick little flash because there was a lot of information on this that I wanted to try to cover. And then we're going to be talking about flying cryptids. Um, one, I already mentioned the Mothman. Um, I'm not going to really go into too, too much detail on him. But there is one that I definitely want to really touch on. So, some examples of aquatic-based cryptids. Now, these are the ones that have been mentioned that are in the United States. If you ever feel like trying to research some of these... Hopefully I pronounced their name right. Hopefully you're able to find the spelling online, but um, what helped me on some of my research for this was actually Wikipedia, and then from there I looked a little bit further into other stories of said cryptids. So, the first cryptids that we're going to be talking about is the aquatic ones, most notably lake cryptids, or lake monsters. So here in the United States, wow, I was about to get a weird accent, I apologize. Here in the United States, we have Altamahaha, or Alti. We have Bessie, Tahoe Tessie, and also the Beast of Busco, which is a lake monster in Busco County in the United States. In Malaysia, we have the Seri Gunman. In Argentina, we have the Naholito. In Africa, we have the Ezima, the Mahambe, the Luguata, and the Sangha. Now, all of these lake monsters and cryptids do share some common threads. Um, a couple of these are actually based on dinosaurs, just like the Loch Ness Monster is. So, uh, Alti, Bessie, Tahoe, Tessie, 
are all related to what the Loch Ness Monster is. The Beast of Busco is, if I remember reading correctly, is more of a crocodile of sorts. And the others are very unique creatures. Flip the page. That reminds me, I definitely do need to buy a stand for my notes. You know those old school stands that they have um, at schools to help with typing or placing notes up? I think I might have to do that. So, here are some examples of terrestrial cryptids. Mainly we're going to focus in on hominids, and hominids are more considered upright, primal, so primate related. Uh, in Asia, we have the Omnis, the Baronoa, the Timon Monkey Man, the Abel Gogo, and of course our friend from the frozen Himalaya, the Yeti. Here in the United States, of course, we have Sasquatch or Bigfoot, we have the Honey Island Swamp Monster, the Mogollon Monster, and the Skunk Ape from the United States, as I mentioned before. In Old Delhi, India, we have the Monkey Man of Delhi, and in good old Australia, we have the Yowie. Now, some other terrestrial cryptids that we can discuss, and I wish I would have put them on a list with more in-depth information, but just with everything that I was trying to put into this, I didn't want to seem so overwhelmed with cryptids. But if you're interested in cryptids, as I said, Wikipedia is good, YouTube is good. If you want to go further with more modern cryptids, SCP is always good. Those stories are amazing. So some of the other ones that are out there for terrestrial um, cryptids, there's the Ozark Howler, Howler, my apologies, the Chupacabra, one from actually my part of the United States, the Mongolian Death Worm, the Mignawa, the Minhokawa, the Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp, and the Great Spider that actually comes from Africa. And now we're going to mention real quick flying cryptids. Uh, the first one is going to be the Jersey Devil, which some people have heard about the Jersey Devil, and I do not mean the mascot for the hockey team, the Mothman, and also from Native American culture, the Thunderbird, which is the equivalent of the Phoenix in, in Greek and Roman mythology. So, it wouldn't be an episode relating to urban legends if we didn't have a list of sorts um, so this is going to be a top 10 list of cryptids now some of them are well known some of them are not well known but all of them do not follow a list of importance from worst to best and vice versa these are just ones I found a little more fascinating and for some of them, I felt a little more comfortable discussing. So, here we go. So, starting with number 10. It's our good friend, the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot. Told you we'd be mentioning him again. So, Bigfoot is described as a hairy, upright, walking, ape-like creature that dwells in the wilderness. Now, it is said that Bigfoot possibly is the missing link between humans and human ancestors or great apes. Now, 
This creature is mostly found in the Pacific Northwest of North America. This also includes parts of Oregon, Washington, um, Vancouver, British Canada. Um, now, information about Sasquatch and pictures now, mind you, when it comes to pseudo-crypto... Uh, let me make sure I get this right. <clears throat> the cryptozoology pseudoscientific subculture... Due to this, I mean, they go off of folklore, and there's been tons of folklore relating to Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And so many people have tried to prove that Bigfoot is real. We have seen the show Bigfoot Hunters or Bigfoot Country. We have seen the pictures of said Bigfoot, even the earliest pictures of Bigfoot, which were proven to be a hoax. We have seen people try to recreate what would be called Bigfoot hair just to try to prove that this creature exists. Now, is it a possibility that Bigfoot can exist? Yes, it is. There is a possibility that all these creatures can exist. There is so much more out there in this world that is unexplained and untapped so we should keep an open mind whenever discussing things that are unknown because once more just like the x-files always say the truth is out there so the next creature that we're going to talk about is number nine and that is the loch ness monster also known as nessie now everyone is familiar with nessie Nessie is reported to be in the Loch Ness of Scotland, but let's go a little bit further. Nessie is described as a long-necked creature with one or more humps protruding from the water. Now, so a lot of people have put a lot of anecdotal information out there and evidence to include disputed pho photographs, which people have proven are false, and sonar readings to try to prove that the creature is out there and it could be just about anything out there a person can easily get on a man-made water skimmer go underwater and try to what's the word i'm looking for try to trip the information of a sonar it's actually quite simple to do but historical sightings relating to Nessie started in 565 AD, and even to this day in modern times, even though Nessie really hasn't been reported on, the last report was 2006, 2007, if I remember correctly, for Nessie. There hasn't been too much relating to Nessie, but for that long of a period for millennia, there have been stories relating to Nessie out there. And it is amazing. Nessie has captured the hearts and minds of people. I remember in the 80s and 90s when growing up hearing stories about Nessie and the advertisements and product placement for this. And it was just crazy. You know, just seeing people who got a Loch Ness Monster stuffy from a friend over in Europe was just... It was unique in a way. It was just out there. And yeah, as a kid, I did hold that thing quite a bit. Just saying. But it wasn't mine. It belonged to a friend and I got to borrow it. Number eight on our list. Flip the page. 
Number eight on our list is dealing with El Chupacabra, which translates into goat sucker. So this creature originates in the Americas. So we're talking North, Central, South America is also the Caribbean, notably in Puerto Rico, which actually Puerto Rico's where the first sighting of the Chupacabra was reported. The name comes from the creature's reported habit of attacking and draining blood from livestock, including goats, hence why it's called goat sucker. And goat sucker is actually a pretty good insult whenever you're a kid, but don't teach your kids that. So reports of the creature in the, have been found in the Caribbean or Caribbean, uh, Central and South America, and regions of Southwest United States and Mexico. Um, even when growing up, there have been tales about the Chupacabra in my part of Texas, which is actually border from Colorado and Oklahoma and New Mexico. So you hear a lot of different stories about this creature that have appeared out of nowhere and taken livestock. It was a way to explain how different livestock just up and died in the area and the chupacabra in a way was almost like uh, the boogeyman for us listening to those stories so we didn't venture outside late at night whenever we were young because you never know if el chupacabra was going to show up and mistake a nice little young boy or girl as livestock da, 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 da. now <clears throat> aside from Reports coming in from North and South America, Central America, and the Caribbean, there actually has been reports of Chupacabra sightings in the northern part of the United States, in Maine of all places, but also in the Philippines and in Russia. So it almost seems like in terms of this cryptid, it could be a migrationary cryptid where it's going to move either where there's a food source or it follows a pattern of migration something to think about scp fans if you're listening might want to chime in on this one in number seven we're going to talk about the bunyip now the bunyip is a creature from australian aboriginal mythology it is said that it lurks in swamps water holes and creeks now, within the nine regions of Australia, there are nine different variations of this creature. Now, earliest recordings of this creature started in the 19th century. Um, some people, so there's, as I mentioned before, there are differences in the explanation of what the bunyip looks like during and within these nine regions. Uh, one example, one, one explanation of what the creature looks like actually comes from the Murray R River region where the Aboriginal people there say that the bunyip looks like a giant starfish. There are some that in other regions that believe it just looks like a mutated dog or crocodile that is walking and it will come and take a person back to their lair differences in express differences in ex explanation due to a fact of cultural difference within region it's actually pretty amazing 
Um, it's just like if I explain that a goat man came to my house and it looked like a half man, half goat, and then another part tries to explain the same creature as something that looks like more goat, but it's upright as a man, and so on and so forth. At number six, we're going to be discussing the Mongolian death worm, and I mentioned this one a little bit earlier, and after I took a look at the Mongolian death worm, it was actually interesting. So let me read a little bit on this one. So this creature rumors to dwell in the Gobi Desert of Mongolia. So it came to Western attention in 1926 in the book On the Trail of Ancient Man by Roy Chapman Andrews. Now, Mr. Andrews was a paleontologist from the United States that was not convinced of the tales he heard from Mongolian officials whenever he went to try to discover this creature. He stated to the officials, none of, the, none of those present ever have seen the creature, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. Now, this creature is described as having a sausage-shaped body that is two feet long, with no head or appendages. And its poison that it secretes from his body is so dangerous that even the slightest touch can be considered instant death. Now, there are worms that do look like this out there in the world that are actually of pretty large size, but when it comes to trying to find the Mongolian death worm, there are no factual proof that this that this cryptid exists even though that in some parts of the Gobi Desert it has been said that this creature does exist and that it has been seen but we haven't seen any definite proof of this at number five we will be discussing Stellar's sea ape so this is a purported marine mammal that was observed by Georges Steller, a German zoologist who was around the coast of Alaska on August 10, 1741. The creature, as described by Mr. Steller, is a 5 foot to 1.5 meter long creature with a dog-like head, long drooping whiskers, and a elongated elongated yet robust body, thick fur coat, and no limbs, but it has two tail fins, much like a shark. The sea ape is also described as a playful yet inquisitive creature, just as a young monkey. Now, this creature was not seen after Mr. Steller until 1965, when a sailor by the name of Miles Meaton spotted the creature off the coast of Atka Island in Alaska. Now that's pretty interesting, and just the description of it was... It was very nice to actually look at. It makes me wonder if this creature really could possibly exist. But then again, you never know. There is a possibility that it does. There is a possibility that it doesn't. Until we actually 
get hard evidence of cryptids being real, it leaves a lot of pondering to be processing here. All right. At number four, we will be discussing British Big Cats. Now, they're also known as Phantom Cats, Mystery Cats, or ABCs, which stands for Alien or Anomalous Big Cats. Now, reports of these creatures are coming from Great Britain, and it's reported that they're not native to Great Britain, but they, prob they have the possibility of inhabiting the British countrysides. Now, some of these sightings, re sightings reported these creatures as big black cats, or going more specifically, panthers or pumas. There was actually a case of a puma being captured in Scotland in 1980. Now, the theory is relating to big, um, sorry, ABCs or phantom cats, however we would like to discuss them, is that these were illegally owned wild cats that were just released because the owners were afraid of being caught with them, which is understandable because it is animal poaching. If you have that type of animal in an area that cannot house it, you have to have licensing and training for those type of animals. Once more, for those who watch Tiger King, you would be up on this a little bit. But yet, then again, they didn't really discuss that part. And there's a high possibility that Joe Exotic's area, his little zoo, was definitely illegal because he didn't have the paperwork to try to run a sanctuary for big cats, especially in the location that he was in in Oklahoma. So there's also a fringe theory relating to British big cats or ABCs. And this theory states that the animals may be surviving Ice Age fauna, which for those who do not understand what fauna is, this is high school, junior high science. There's flora, which is plants, fauna, which is animals. So there's a high possibility what this fringe theory is leading to is that these big cats are possible descendants of saber-toothed cats or surviving saber-toothed cats that have been around for millennia, eons, however you want to say it. Number three, the Trinity Alp Salamander. Now this one's actually pretty interesting because I never really heard anything relating to this creature. But this is an alleged giant salamander that lives in the Trinity Alps of Northern California. Now, this creature is larger than most known salamanders. Its size is compared to that of a salamander called a hellbender, which is also somewhat of a cryptid as well. It is not based on a recognized species of salamander. Now, the first report of this creature comes from the 19th century, and it hasn't really been reported frequently since the early 20th century. There was an attempt at an expedition led by a gentleman by the name of Tom Slick to capture one of these Trinity Alp salamanders. Now, needless to say, he came up 
extremely short on his expedition because he was not able to find one. No real big surprise there. But there are people even to this day that report going into Trinity Alps and spotting these creatures. But yet, once more, there's no pictures of the creatures. There's no undeniable proof that these creatures do exist. All right, so we're getting down to the top two here. And just want to say before we finish this off, thank you for sticking with me for the past almost 41 minutes reading about cryptids. It means a lot. Um, hopefully I'm not boring you with my melodious voice, but if I am, it's time to wake up and listen a little bit more. It's okay, this big cat over here loves you. And even though this melodious voice is soft, smooth, and silky just like a fresh pair of underwear, uh, expensive underwear, not the cheap stuff, just saying. Need you to wake up and stay with me a little bit more. All right, for number two. Number two on our list is the Dobhar Chu, also known as the Water Dog, the Water Hound, or King Otter. And I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, once more, Dobhar Chu. It is um, Irish, Gaelic, actually, and I am extremely apologetic if I butchered it to all my listeners in Ireland. I am sorry. If there's some way you would like to correct me on it, please do so. It would be greatly appreciated. So, as I said, this is a creature of Irish folklore. Now, the description of this creature is stating that it resembles either both a dog and an otter, but sometimes it is described as half man, oh sorry, not half man, half dog, half fish. It lives in the water and it has a fur with protective properties. Now, there is a 17th century story relating to this creature about a woman who was cleaning her laundry by the river of this location where the creature exists. And when the creature popped out of the water, it began attacking her while the husband heard the wife screaming. And he rushed down to see the mangled body of his wife being destroyed by this creature. And in a fit of rage, he took his knife and killed the creature. Now, the creature, before it died, let out this mating call and its mate came out of the water and began attacking the husband. But the husband fought back and managed to kill the other creature. Now, you can find more information about this story, of course, on YouTube and of course on Wikipedia, but if you ever venture to Conwall Cemetery in County Lathrum, you can actually go to the cemetery and find a headstone with the story relating to this creature. Alright, number one on the list. And there was plenty of cryptids to go through to try to make number one. And once more, it's mainly those who capture my attention. It is not relating to importance or standards or anything because you can do the same research I did and find cryptids that you may like and may want to put within a ranking system or anything. As I said, this is just me showing interest 
to this topic with these creatures. <clears throat> so, uh, Sammy Sunshine, I apologize if I scared you once more. Sammy Sunshine Claws, I will clear my throat. Number one, the Jersey Devil. Now, the Jersey Devil story started in 1735, and there's different variations on how this story came about. Um, the Jersey Devil is also known as the Leeds Devil. Now, one story is, is that the Leeds family had 12 children, and the wife found out that she was pregnant with number 13. In a fit of rage, she decided to curse the birth of the child, stating that the child will be a devil. Well, during one stormy night, the child was born as a plain human, but as soon as the child was born, it began taking a grotesque, demonic figure, and it flew out through the chimney. Now, there are other variations of this story. One other variation is that the mother was a witch, and that the father of the Leeds Devil or Jersey Devil was Satan himself. And then there's another variation. Let's just say there's a lot of variations relating to the Jersey Devil or Leeds Devil. But in relation to the story, there has been some historical proof about the family actually existing within Leeds County in South New Jersey. And it's actually amazing. Maybe one day I might do a mini excerpt reading more about the Jersey Devil because this one by far was pretty interesting. Now, <clears throat> the description of this wonderful creature, it is, <clears throat> apologies, I've been talking for 46 minutes straight. I know this is the last one. I'm going to try to power through I'm not going to pause the show to get a drink of water. So let's give it the old kitty college try, and this old melodious cat is going to push through this. So, <clears throat> this creature is described as a flying bipedal um, it, creature with hooves. Now, <clears throat> to break down, break down the description further, it is depicted as either a kangaroo or wyvern-like creature with bat-like wings, a goat or horse-like head, small arms with claws, cloven hooves, and a forked tail. Now, for those who have seen the Jersey Devil, it is reported that this creature is extremely fast, and it emits a high-pitched, blood-curdling scream amazing isn't it I mean for most people some people say that the Jersey Devil sounds like an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend depending on situation but just the description of the Jersey Devil and leading into the story of it um, definitely deals more with the occult and also deals with shape-shifting, which also deals with zoothropy or lycanthropy, you know, the ability to shape or shape-shift. So, all right.
Now I can actually rest this melodious, smooth, silky voice. Thank you for listening tonight on the second installment of Urban Legends. Now, next weekend we will be coming back to the subject, mainly discussing the stigma of reporting, experiencing different phenomenon. Um, it could be relating to urban legends and cryptids. It can be relating to psychic phenomenon. It could be relating to extraterrestrials. But we're going to discuss that stigma a little bit. So, as always, I am Mr. Cheshire. And this is, this is Cheshire's place, a looking glass and logical madness. And just like the Cheshire cat, who can also be very much related to a cryptid, I am everywhere and nowhere. Have a good night, and I'll see you next time for the next one.